If you've ever come up against some really strong feelings, either your own or someone else's, then you've probably felt yourself freaking out a little bit, either going into flight, fight, or freeze mode. Today, we're going to talk about the fear of feelings and the fear of anger. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody, this is episode number 10. And we are going to be talking about two more fears of intimacy. We started this last week and we will finish it next week. Hey, you know what's really cool? What? This is episode 10. We're in the double digits. Woohoo! That's awesome. Yeah. And a big thanks out to all the listeners that have been following us. So, here, we really appreciate your time and we hope you're finding these things valuable. Feel free to shoot us a note at info at onlyyouforever.com or leave a comment on our website in any one of our podcasts. We love hearing from you. Absolutely. And you know, to be honest, it's a little bit scary making yourself so public and putting your voice out there. So encouragement is really encouraging. Right. But and I mean, co- constructive criticism is also encouraging too. Yeah. At least will. we know someone's paying attention and listening. Yeah, feedback is a good thing. But today we're going to continue moving towards our fear. Right. Well, I just stated a fear. That's good. (laughs) Fear of podcasting. Yeah. Okay. Just a quick review then. I think we gave an extensive, a more extensive introduction in episode nine, and you can go back to that if you want more background to what we're doing here. That would be a great idea. But we all have some fear of intimacy to some degree, which one's the severity of them is mostly due to what we experienced in our families of origin like where we grew up. Yeah. What I get excited about is these do not need to be perpetuated through the course of our marriages. So they can be... They can be stopped and fixed and... Yeah. Healed. Healed. That's a better word. Yeah. No, well, fixed was in my head and I was going, ah, what's the word? Healed. So you can overcome these fears by acknowledging them, identifying them and sharing that learning with a spouse who's safe to share them with. And... What do you mean by safe? By safe, I just mean caring. Uh, someone who's not abusive. So if you make yourself vulnerable with an abusive person, it's just going to get worse. That's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. So we are making a little bit of an assumption here. And someone that has at least a basic tolerance for difficult emotions and can respond with empathy. As we quoted last time from the Bible, perfect love casts out fear. Yeah. So we don't get that perfect love all the time from each other because we're not perfect, right? Right. But are least- close. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> But at least a healthy, sincere love will do a great deal to uproot and disempower those fears. Yeah. yeah. So we also noted last time that we can show ourselves compassion yeah. in these areas too. Yeah. I think we th- might have talked about that at breakfast At breakfast today. today we did, yeah. Okay, keep going. That's good. <laughs> okay, so let's jump in. We want to again acknowledge the work and research of Dr. Gerald Weeks and Dr. Stephen Treat in identifying these. Both these individuals have extensive experience in helping marriages and it's their hard work that we're unpacking for you in today's episode. So moving on here, fear number three is the fear of feelings. I think this kind of has elements of the previous two that we talked about last episode, but this one is especially about feelings. Some spouses have learned to fear their feelings, like all of them. Right. So I can kind of hide behind my rationality and, you know, I was going to pick a little bit on the engineers there. We tend to rationalize everything. (laughs) <laughs> or I can hide behind denial, which is kind of lawyerish. Or I can intellectualize everything like an academic. Or I can just be too rigid about thinking that I'm right all the time, like a Bible thumper. Right. And 
I'd rather think than feel. That's kind of the motto of this fear of feelings thing. I stay detached to keep space between you and my feelings. Mm-hmm. So what's funny though, is just for kicks that sometimes these folks might marry someone who is histrionic. What is that? Uh, extremely emotional and... Um, like dramatic? Attention seeking. Okay. Yeah. And uh, there's actually a histrionic personality disorder, which is interesting. But anyways, they, if you have this fear of feelings and you marry someone who's like that, not necessarily with a personality disorder, but then you have this crazy to deal with in your marriage. And that further takes the pressure off me having to face my own feelings because I'm just all about managing and working with. And It's and, easier to deal with your junk than mine. Yeah. And so it just keeps me away from my own feelings. So I help, you know, I help maintain my fear by choosing someone that keeps me away from my fear. Wow. That's pretty Distracts complex. me from it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we can, we can kind of tease a person like this with the, or the engineers or lawyers or so on, but let's just get serious for a moment. So if you, if you did grow up in a home with alcoholism or depression or child abuse or manic depressive behavior, or just sheer emotional unpredictability, then feelings were probably an overwhelming experience for you. So what do you do? Shut them down. You shut them down. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, perhaps your parents just denied or dismissed your feelings or else they told you how to feel. Or sometimes maybe you got punished for having feelings. Yeah, some feelings, if they weren't comfortable with them, they might have punished or disciplined you for having them. Yeah. Yeah. So now, given that background, you believe your spouse will just discount your feelings. So you ignore them or minimize them or just keep them hidden. Right. Don't want anybody to see those because you don't know what the reaction is going to be. Yeah. Deeply internalized. Yeah. So we kind of alluded to this at the start when we talked about the fear of fear. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those feelings that we can be afraid of. Yeah. Is fear. Yeah. So this is an interesting one. Just take this one with you today as you think about it after listening to our episode about what are those feelings that I might be afraid of either in somebody else or inside myself and I don't let them out. Yeah. So that's one fear. That's number three of the six that we're going through. Now, number four is actually picking a particular feeling, which is anger. Fear of anger. The fear of anger. And that can be in two forms, either the fear of my anger or the fear of my spouse's anger, of your anger. So what does that come from, being afraid of my own anger? Well, sometimes a spouse brings deep anger and resentment to the marriage. And a classic example of this is what we find in, in folks that, we, that are called parentified children. So children that had to assume responsibility way before they were capable, really. Right. When they were children. Yeah. And so they often had to care for a parent. Okay. And, uh, you know, we don't, this is a reality in many people's lives. It's not something to look down on because there can be very valid reasons for having to do this. And like one example might be that they maybe had a single mom and for some reason mom got disabled. And then at a younger age than would be expected, they had to care for the home or make decisions or provide or take care of mom. So then there was that sort of parentifying of the child. Or even like children of alcoholic parents. Yeah. So the child would have to be super careful that a drunk smoking parent didn't pass out with a half-smoked cigarette and set the house on fire. Right. So they were always... Assuming that responsibility. Yeah. They had to be hypervigilant. They had to be watching, make sure the family stays safe, make sure I I stay safe. That's a responsibility that a child is taking on far beyond their years. Right. So what does that have to do here? How does that fit in here with our fear of anger? Okay. So these children, because of this situation, they never had the opportunity or were never allowed to express feelings of anger. And this anger builds up over time. Then, in, And then how does that affect their marriage? Well, then they get married and they become afraid of all that coming out uncontrollably. 
So they keep their distance from others. They keep their distance from their spouse. It's kind of like if I'm, I'm afraid if I get too close, this rage or hostility or aggression may get triggered or released somehow. And it's just going to be so wildly out of control. I have no idea where it's going to stop. So I'm just going to pull right back oh. emotionally. Yeah. So it's a very real thing. And on the another situation is a child may have grown up in a very angry home and witnessed spousal abuse or experienced child abuse themselves. And this is also a common source of fear of anger because you never want to repeat what you saw. Like, I will never do what my father did. Right. Kind of mantra, right? Right. Which is great. And you saw those things being done in anger. But the problem is that that's, that's giving you this tremendous fear of anger. You should still have that feeling, ideally, with, but be able to control it and not act out in that right. way. Learn to express anger in a healthy way. You just sum it up in five words, what I say. In oh, you're, you're bang on. So let me throw another one at you. So take the other end of the spectrum from the very angry or even abusive home. Maybe you grew up in a home that was devoid of anger. and Maybe you were punished or disciplined for feeling anger. So you're not allowed to feel angry. So you got the message that anger is unacceptable or bad or destructive and so on. Maybe I just don't have the skills to deal with anger. So I just pent it up over time and then boom. Yep. There she blows. Yep. And, and so I want to make sure that never happens again. Right. It's so embarrassing or it's so destructive or something, right? Yeah. Or you feel so horrible about yourself. Yeah. I'd say the guilt would be pretty strong. Yep. So what do you do? You just hide it. Stuff it all Stuff down. It. Don't which, let yourself feel that. Which is actually a cycle that's now creating the next explosion because you're penting right. it up again. Right. Instead of dealing with it bit by bit in a healthy way. Yeah. Yeah. So what is this healthy way we're talking about? Okay. So there is, just remember for a moment, there was two kinds of anger. There was fear of my anger. And that's what we just covered. Now there's fear of your anger. So if I'm afraid of my spouse's anger, I will placate my spouse. I'll kind of walk on eggshells around my spouse and so on. And it's again, often the case for individuals who grew up in homes that had unpredictable or explosive anger or in homes where that anger wasn't allowed. And maybe, maybe you grew up in a state of constant fear about when the next anger episode would occur. So that, that unpredictability is what makes you afraid of the anger. So chances are, if I'm afraid of your anger, I've seen it at some point. Yeah, quite possibly. Or it was just not acceptable. And not maybe, acceptable maybe in my never, family of origin. Yeah, and maybe you never saw it. So I just expect that you will never have it or right. you shouldn't have it. So take someone with that fear, Verlinda, and you put them in a marriage with someone who grew up in a home where it was safe to express anger safely. Yeah. So you got one one spouse that's comfortable with anger and with expressing anger and being angry and another spouse who grew up with this profound fear of anger. And all of a sudden, the normal anger of the healthy spouse is actually an incredible monster. And I don't want to sort of As normalize... viewed in the other spouse's eyes. Yeah. I do not want to normalize abuse here and say you should be accepting of an angry, abusive spouse. I'm just... No. I'm assuming that this is a really healthy level of anger and it's expressed safely in a way that you don't... But in a way that a person who grew up in a healthy a home that had healthy values around anger. I think I said that right. Grew up in a home that had healthy values around anger would not be afraid. Okay. Did that make any sense? It was pretty complicated. Okay. So I, what you're trying to say is this person who's showing the anger is doing it in a healthy way. So if a person... That's my assumption. Right. So if another person grew up seeing anger and how right. it was dealt with healthily, they wouldn't be afraid of that. Right. But if a spouse has never seen that anger or is afraid of that anger, yeah. then it's scary. Yeah. Then what 
is normal anger and acceptable is really, in a sense, unacceptable to them. It's totally frightening. Yeah. Terrifying. So now the angry spouse too, then in this situation is not going to understand how the fear of anger spouse, if I can call him or her that, reacts so severely to what is normal or he sees as normal. So let's just imagine I'm, I'm the guy that grew up with healthy anger or grew up with a healthy understanding of anger. And let's say you're, Verlinda, you're afraid of anger. Okay. okay you have this fear of anger. So okay. I won't, when you react, like you freak out, maybe you even leave the house, you run away or you shut down for days or you just absolutely dissolve into a wreck if mm-hmm. I get the least bit angry. Mm-hmm. I may not get that because that's not how anger was reacted to in my home. Right. So you don't understand what's going on for me. No. So what we need here then is for some ownership of this fear of anger and a conversation in our marriage about how anger was expressed in our own families, how it was in my family when I grew up, how it was in your family when you grew up. Mm-hmm. Is that fair enough? Yeah. So then we can begin to understand where we're coming from and how our dynamic works out when one of us is showing anger. Right. So this doesn't have to be something that like makes or breaks a relationship. No. This is just something that needs to be faced and talked about and... Understanding. Yeah. Understood, dealt with, like work through this. Just realize that it's kind of almost a family of origin issue. It's not just something's wrong with my spouse. Right. And I think that's where we come back to answering your question about how we deal with it. So it's moving towards the fear again is what we're asking people to do. Yeah. To to name it, identify it, acknowledge it, discuss it, and just come to understanding. And and that discussion and exposure and understanding, you know, those are all the the building blocks of intimacy. Mm-hmm. It's actually building your relationship by unpacking this. Right. Together. Together. So again, to summarize, we need to show the courage to move towards our fears, whether that's a fear of feeling or a fear of anger. And one great encouragement there again is the words of Paul to Timothy. He says that God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God didn't intend for us to lead fearful lives or have fear play a major role in how we relate to one another. Right. But that can still happen through the effect and the impact of sin in our world. So we can have those things. It's not his desired outcome. Right. So we need to work through it and... Yeah, that's our challenge. Yeah. Okay, let's head over to our question segment now. And now for our Q&A section. Remember, if you'd like to ask us a question, you can email it to questions at onlyyouforever.com or please leave us a voicemail at onlyyouforever.com slash questions. So our question for today is, should you as the wife follow everything your husband desires, wants, chooses, etc. for the family, even though you strongly are against it? How do you communicate to him that you strongly feel this is wrong for your family without making him feel inferior? So this question comes from Christy, and I think it's a great question because I think every woman wants this, right? You want to uphold your husband and support your husband, respect your husband, Mm -hmm. but you don't always agree with every single thing he decides. Right. Really? Uh, Yeah. Well, except me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So one spot you can start with is if he's open, have encourage him to listen to episode number three, which is about receiving influence. That's an episode, especially for husbands. And it uh, follows the, what Gottman calls the Aikido principle, which is yielding to win. So you learn to receive influence in order to have influence. Yeah. I'd really encourage him to listen to that. We have to read a little bit between the lines on these questions. It doesn't sound like you're dealing with a tyrant, so we're going to assume that's off the table. But there's just some choices, maybe just a few, 
uh, maybe one that you disagree strongly with. Yeah. And let me say like me as a wife, and you can take the position that the husband is ultimately responsible for family decisions, and he's accountable to God for this. So even if he does something or decides, makes a decision that I don't entirely agree with, I can have peace knowing that it's not my responsibility. Like, yes, I need to do what I can to protect my family and influence my husband in the right direction. But ultimately, if he makes a decision, it's... So how is that not a murder complex? Um, Because I'm not doing it for myself. How do you mean? Well, I'm not like sucking it up so I can moan and complain and gripe. Right. It's more like, no, before God, my conscience is clear. So it's a way of you kind of releasing, letting go. Yeah. And letting him lead. Okay. Fair enough. I think that there is a boundary here though. Like, Yeah. What if it's really bad? Yeah. Submitting is unto the Lord. Okay. So if it's wrong, you need to set that boundary mm-hmm. and say, no, that's wrong. I'm not going there. Okay. But if it's just a difference of opinion, then it's give and take. Right. So we don't want to unnecessarily sort of, you know, die on some hills that you don't need to die on. Yeah. Right. Choose your battles. Not that we battle, but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, there are some things you want to stand on and others you, you stop and think it doesn't matter so much, right? Yeah. yeah. So. I do think, though, that one of the best things to do is have a good conversation and you can, through that conversation, possibly agreeing and being completely of the same mind about it at the end, Mm -hmm. you can share your perspectives. Or maybe at the end of it, you just decide that you're going to honor and respect the difference of opinion. So a marriage, you know, a successful marriage does not mean that you guys agree on everything. Yeah. Right. So you can actually honor differences. And you and I have differences of opinion that we've never agreed on 100%. Yeah, that's true. But they're not issues in our marriage. No. Because the bond is secure. And that's, that's, so that's something just to me, be uh, keeping in mind as well. So what do you mean by issues in our marriage? Like they're not something that's going to break up our marriage? Yeah, they're not. Because um, obviously it is in our marriage because we're the marriage. It's a disagreement of values. Okay. But they're not so far apart and we're not so polarized and they're not so critical that the bond is at risk. Right. Okay. Yeah. So how do we do that? What are those conversations look like these good conversations okay so you know uh, dr gottman often says like the first is it the five or the 15 seconds of the conversation determines the outcome so you want to mm-hmm. come into this if it looks like you're you're all lit up if you're all lit up and you're coming in angry mm-hmm. and he's going to sense that right away and maybe get your arms crossed it looks like you're on the attack so most men are going to get totally overwhelmed by that and shut down this is just almost a almost a universal male response. We just get flooded so easily. Our heart rate goes up. The stress response of our body kicks in. The access to our cognition and our emotion, our thinking and our emotion deteriorates. And we go to what I call sort of our, we retreat into our lizard brain, which is just the barely functioning part of ourselves, right? Just keep the heart beating. You'll survive, boy, don't worry. So that's why you look so calm because that's all that's happening is your heart's beating. Well, you, (laughs) 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 thanks for that. You said it. Yeah, you, you get flooded, so you retreat into yourself, right? So you want to you want to come up with a way to let him know how strongly you feel about this without him fading out on you or feeling like he's being attacked. That takes a little bit of crafting of sort of a skillful approach on your part. Okay, well, give us some skillful ideas. Okay. All right. So first off, the principle is you want to start by talking about yourself because this is something you feel strongly about. So don't come in blaming him or with fingers pointed. Start calm. And use a very simple um, formula, could I say, when you insert the behavior here, I feel, insert the feeling here. 
So when okay. you say you want to take our family to Disneyland, that's the behavior. I feel so much anxiety, that's the feeling, because I'm afraid we'll never be out of debt. And then I start to worry, there's another feeling, that we won't be able to enjoy our retirement together. Mm-hmm. When you want to watch a movie with the kids that I think is too old for them, I feel scared that it's going to scar them. So again, that's when you behavior, I feel feeling. Mm-hmm. So one of the traps folks often fall into this with this is they use I feel, but they say a thinking phrase. So when you want to watch a movie with the kids that I think is too old for them, I feel like you don't care about the kids. Then that's really, I think you don't care about the kids. Right. That's not a feeling that you're experiencing. So you really want to be getting into yourself and understand, okay, what is the feeling that's been triggered for me here? And I need to come up with an emotion word and actually use that in the sentence and okay. speak to him about that. Okay. Yeah. So you'd have to think really carefully then and kind of dig down through your own stuff about what actually concerns you. Right. What's the small part of this that I'm totally inflexible on? Yeah, obviously there's something core that's essential. Yeah. So why do I think this is wrong? What's wrong about it? Yeah. And often there's kind of a larger part around it that we're more flexible on, right? So go back to the Disneyland example. I'm inflexible on going thousands of dollars into debt. Maybe that's the issue. Right. I'm not inflexible on going to Disneyland. I'd love to do that with you. Can I, you know, can I come up with a plan to save up? We can do that next summer. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of thing, right? That's good. Are you taking us to Disneyland next summer? <laughs> no. I'm hoping they weren't planning on going either. Or they're going to think I'm a mind reader. <laughs> okay. So when it's just a difference of opinion, well, marriage is about honoring one another and there's got to be some give and take to that. Yeah. So go over the co- the pros and cons together and really, you know, try to understand the other person's perspective and why they're doing what they're doing and then ask them to hear you so that you can feel understood as well. Yeah. And it could be that when you hear their thoughts on the matter, that you realize where they're coming from and why they came up with that Absolutely. solution too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could be. Okay. So thank you so much. That's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at onlyyouforever.com slash 10. Remember, we're here to help build thriving, passionate marriages. So send us your marriage questions in to questions at onlyyouforever.com. Thank you for listening to the onlyyouforever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at onlyyouforever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Yes, I am recording. So tell me, Linnea, if somebody was just getting married, what's the best thing you could tell them about being married? Uh, Go stand. Yeah, stand right in front of that thing. Mm, Think really hard. Um, congratulations. That's pretty good. Thank you. Was that actually recording, Dad? Yeah, that was.